Hello and welcome to and let's be heard for Thursday, September 7th, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right, here we are Thursday night, Thursday night, speeding through the week. You know, it helps when you have a three-day week, right? It really helps when you take the first few days of the week off. Shoot, every week. Amazing, right? Only working three days a week or four days a week. Talk about, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, <clears throat> a couple of stories about uh, workplace stuff. One having to do with uh, Jimmy Fallon and another with the uh, hookup app known as Grinder. We'll talk about that also. Did anyone hear a story I wanted to talk about yesterday, which I, I forgot to talk about, was the... Uh, <laughs> The diarrhea on the plane. Did you guys hear about that? Where evidently there was a passenger on a flight. It was a, it was an international flight, like from Atlanta to Spain or something like that. And one of the passengers had uh, had diarrhea, but the problem is they didn't make it to the to the restroom. So I think what happened was, and there were some photos out there, is that. He, the person was shitting all along the way <laughs> through the aisles trying to make it to the restroom. And so there was diarrhea throughout the entire airplane. Um, and the airplane had to actually turn back because the smell was so bad. I think as people were getting sick from the smell of, of diarrhea. Now, I guess it is funny in a way, but it's not. Because we've all had those experiences, right? You're flying, you're not feeling well, you're on an airplane, it's crowded. Those restrooms are so small, so tiny, right? It's really hard to uh, take a dump in those things. It's hard enough, to, I feel bad for women, right? Guys, but it's like, if you have to go to the bathroom, if you have to do number two, you're in trouble. And I was on a, a much shorter flight and it was Atlanta. I think it was Atlanta to Miami or something, which is... 90 minutes is short and i remember having really bad stomach problems during that flight but i was able to make it to the uh, to restroom in the plane but it's just not it's not a comfortable experience doing that on a plane so i can really feel for this person who couldn't make it you know they just couldn't make it and you know so there's other problems on airplanes right they like sometimes they never let you go, right? Or they have that seatbelt sign on for hours and you're wondering why and there's, there's no turbulence. Sometimes pilots forget to turn the damn thing off. I was on a flight not too long ago where the stewardess was like, oh, this pilot's very good at turning that off. Well, why aren't they all good at turning that sign off? How difficult is it to turn the fasten seatbelt sign off? Can't be that difficult, you push a fucking button. So people feel that they can't go. We know how, how uh, authoritarian these airlines are these days. You stand up and they, they, they write you down as being a domestic terrorist and you can't ever fly an airline again, right? So people are afraid to go. So this, who knows what it might have been? It might have been the case where there was turbulence or the, the pilot didn't have that sign off and the person was like waiting and waiting and waiting for this, uh, you know, the seatbelt sign to be turned off and it was too late. So it looked like it was a total disaster from the from the photos I saw. It looked like they're going to have to tear up the entire carpet down the aisle and replace it. 
So it was a, that's a bad situation to be in. That's a really bad situation to be in. Flying is tough enough but then to have like stomach issues. Uh, and for that to happen is a bad situation. Someone said they should make a movie out of it. Remember we had uh, snakes on a plane. What would this be called? Shit on a plane? Diarrhea on a plane? I've got to come up with a, I guess shit on a plane is better, right? Snakes on a plane and you get, and you get shit on a plane. So that's just, it's tough. It's tough. Um, so let's talk about a little about the workplace because we know that people got very lazy during COVID of not going into the office, of being able to work from home, right? To do uh, Zoom from home. And uh, now there are businesses who are like, okay, it's been over three years, that's long enough. You need to go back to work again, right? You need to come in, right? And a lot of corporations are being very kind about it. They're like, well, Come in a couple of times a week. Come in three times a week, you know? I mean, I, I can tell by, I mean, San Francisco, it's, it's, it's tough to judge because we're, we're, we're totally in a total downward spiral doom loop where nobody's working anymore and the financial district is totally empty. But it would seem to me that a lot of people are absolutely taking Friday off or doing Fridays from home. Okay, because my, my, my gym is in the, in the financial district, and I go in around the p.m. rush time when people are getting out of work, and I notice that Friday's empty, all right? Monday to Thursday, you know, busier, but not as busy, obviously, as it used to be pre-COVID. So there are people who have gone back, but they're definitely not working on, uh, on Friday. So the, the first workplace story I want to talk about is uh, is Grinder, which is a uh, a gay meetup app. Uh, it's a sex app. It's it's not. It's, it's listed as a you know like a dating app, but it's not. It's a it's a it's a quick sex app. You know, you want a quick hookup. You go on Grinder. It's been around for a long time. Very popular and very profitable. And so they wanted their workforce to go back two days a week. Okay, they want their people to finally go back into the office for two days out of five. And that was too much for these workers to bear. It was too much for these people to bear. Just they couldn't take it. They couldn't take going back for two fucking days. So they were fired. So Grindr lost half, <laughs> half of its workforce over a two day return to office mandate. It's funny, these people didn't mind, these same people. You know they are exactly the same people. They didn't mind all of the COVID mandates. They follow those. But when their boss, who pays their salary, probably a very good salary, says, please come back into the office twice a week, four years after COVID. Um, and they say, no, we can't, we can't handle that. We can't. We can't go back to, we can't. We can't, we want to Zoom. We can't, we can't deal with the stress of going and in back into an office for today. Remember, these are the same people, you're talking about a gay hookup act, that have gotten 
25 boosters, eight monkeypox vaccines. So I don't know. They, they can't be worried, right, about getting COVID. So they're just lazy. You see, the one vaccine they never took was the vaccine to cure laziness. That they never took. So the New York Post reports that nearly half of the LGBTQ dating app Grinders workforce have quit. Actually, they quit. They've been fired. They'll quit. If the company enacted a strict two-day-per-week, it's strict two-day-per-week office requirement. Amid And furious staffers claim the mandate was in retaliation over their campaign to unionize. Last month, Grinder informed their employees they had to decide where they would relocate to a hub office location and work on site for two days per week or terminate their employment. In other words, come back to the office two days a week or goodbye. Through the end of August, about 80 employees or roughly 45% of Grindr's 180-person workforce had left the company due to the mandate, union organizers said. Grinder offered a severance package for employees who could not or would not comply with the relocation requirement, a move the group described as an attempt to silence workers from speaking out about their working conditions. So Grinder actually offered people who wouldn't come back to work twice a week a severance package. These and this was I mean <laughs> these decisions have left Grinder dangerously understaffed and raises questions about the safety, security, and stability of the app for Uyghurs, said Eric Cortez, a member of Grinder United CWA. Why do app workers, why do tech workers who work for an app have to unionize? It is clear Grinder wants workers to be silenced and deterred from exercising our right to organize, regardless of the expense. So this moron, Eric Cortez, says an app, a, a gay meetup act, a sex is dangerously understaffed, dangerously understaffed with a hundred employees. That's dangerously understaffing and, and raises questions about the safety, security, and stability of the app for users with only a hundred employees. It could be very dangerous to open that app up. Watch it. Grinder stock is up more than 9% this year. Grinder employees had announced their intent to unionize on July 20th through CWA, but the labor drive has yet to receive formal recognition. The company announced its return to office mandate on August 4th. The CWA has filed a formal complaint on behalf of Grindr employees with the National Labor Relations Board, alleging the company's actions amounted to unlawful retaliation. Grindr CEO George Arison said we smaller than where we were before and where we want to be. It's unimaginably disappointing that dozens of our colleagues have had to leave their jobs because grinder management did not want to sit down with workers and respect our rights to organize, Cortez said. During an appearance at a Goldman Sachs conference in San Francisco earlier this week, uh, George Arison, the CEO, said the job losses were expected and would improve uh, the company's books. So when he said the team will be smaller, than where we're before and where we want to be. Basically, he's saying this is fine. And I, I can't see why 100 employees would be too few for an app. 
Grinder employees say the return to office policy and severance packages are to silence workers from speaking about their working conditions. So that'll obviously impact margin in a positive way in the near term. But I also think that shows that you can have a lot of leverage in this business because you don't need that big of a team to do the things we need to do. No shit, said Arison. Grinder stock is up more than 9%. The dating app is one of many tech firms that have experienced significant clashes between top brass employees over return to office policies. Last month, Amazon CEO Andy Jassy issued a stark warning to employees who don't comply with three-day, oh my God, three-day-per-week office requirement. It's past the time to disagree and commit, Jassy said. If you can't disagree and commit, I also understand that, but it's probably not going to work out for you at Amazon because we're going back to the office at least three days a week, and it's not right for all of our teammates to be in three days a week and people to refuse to do so. In other words, some people doing it, some people not doing it. Meanwhile, Facebook parent Meta recently enforced its own three-day work requirement for many employees and warned that delinquents could be fired. Do you ever believe we'd be in a time, did you ever think we'd be in a time where people wouldn't want to go to work two or three days a week, where people would complain about actually going legs, cars, trains, planes, automobiles to work to an office two or maybe, God forbid, three days a week. But here we are. This is the new normal that Democrats, that liberals want. This is the great reset new normal that they want, right? Where you could just do everything from home, everything from Zoom, not know anyone personally, not have any personal interactions, just sit at your computer with your latte and uh, take frequent uh, breaks and not have to actually deal with any human beings. It's unimaginable how weak this generation is. We, this is a very, very weak generation of people. This is a, a snowflake generation that we have right now. And you know, a lot of these people are very young, right? When you talk about apps and, and, and tech stuff, you're talking about mostly young people. You're talking about the newer generation of workers, right? Not the older generation of workers who are used to going into work five days a week. Five days a week. People who, when they were told they can work from home if they wanted one day a week, I mean, that was like, great, absolutely, sure. Uh, pick a Friday or a Monday and have a, you know, a four-day work week, basically, where you have to go into the office. And uh, that was considered a gift. Now you have all these young generation of workers who don't even want to go into the office two or three days a week. And then they cry when their bosses say, you're fired. You're not wanted here anymore. If you don't want to come in and work alongside your colleagues two or three days a week, there's no reason for you to be at this job. So yes, these grinder workers are incredibly weak and pathetic for two fronts. One, wanting to organize, unionize. What is there to unionize when you work for a a gay meetup app. I don't understand that. And also this idea of, oh my God, we can't go into work two days a week. That's just too strenuous. It's too strenuous. We can't do it. But once again, this gestion of snowflakes is just, uh, it, it scares me because it, it, what's, what's to come, right? These are the quote unquote new leaders, right? The new workforce. What is to come with these people who are, are too lazy 
to go into an office two or three days a week. Well, it gets even worse. Jimmy Fallon was accused of mistreating the Tonight Show staffers, creating a nightmare work environment. More than a dozen current and former staffers of The Tonight Show, starring Jimmy Fallon, are speaking out about an alleged toxic and chaotic work environment fostered by the Emmy-winning host. NBC's late-night talk show, hosted by the 40-year-old, 48-year-old since uh, 2014, has been a toxic place for years, according to current, two current and 14 former employees. I can only imagine... Well, who described their experiences to Rolling Stone in a bombshell report. This is what Rolling Stone is doing post Jan Wenner. Stories about uh, 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 workers with uh, weak constitutions. This is what's become of Rolling Stone. So remember now, we're talking about 14 employees, right, over the last decade. Can you imagine? Now, remember, I just said that Grinder inexplicably had almost 200 employees, right? Now they have 100. Can you imagine how many employees NBC has that the Tonight Show has had in the last decade? So anyway, there are 14 to 16 total employees over the last decade who've described their experience to Rolling Stone as toxic and chaotic. Fallon, who first TV super, superstar status as a cast member of SNL in 1998, is known for his fun personality, charming interviews, and celebrity. I think because uh, he's too over the top, I feel, you know, he's too like over the top, um, just way too, uh, he, I think he forces stuff too much, right? I think he forces comedy too much. He forces, he thinks he's the most talented person in the world. It's kind of insufferable. So I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge Jimmy Fallon fan. Um, but, but, uh, you know, let's get into more into the story. You'll see what I'm talking about here. But that's just, you know, to let you know, I'm not a huge Fallon fan. I've never been a huge uh I've never been a huge Jimmy Fallon fan. Um, but these workers uh, claim that he has mistreated his staff uh, and he has created a glum atmosphere, a work environment described by one former employee as a dream job that turned into a nightmare very quickly. Uh, some employees told the magazine that most people who work backstage at The Tonight Show are well aware of good and bad Jimmy days. They said the tense environment is a result of Fallon's erratic behavior, adding to ever-changing leadership, which has led many behind the scenes in a constant state of fear. Everybody walked on A-shells, especially showrunners, a former employee said. You never knew which Jimmy you're going to get throw a hissy fit. Several former staffers said working at the show negatively impacted their mental health, including four who said they went into therapy and three, I'm sorry, who said they experienced suicidal thoughts as a result of the toxic working environment. In one specific incident, two employees said Fallon scolded a crew member in charge of cue cards during a taping with Jerry Steinfeld and only apologized 
because the comedian told him to do so. However, in a statement sent to the publication after the article went live, Seinfeld called the magazine's version of the story stupid and an idiotic twisting of events. An NBC spokesperson defended the show in a statement to Rolling Stone. We're incredibly proud of the Tonight Show and providing a respectful working environment is a top priority, the spokesperson said. The Daily News reached out to reps of Fallon and NBC for further comment. A spokesperson for the network said NBC had no comment besides what it provided to, to Rolling Stone. So this is a stupid story. It really is. It really, really is. So you're telling me, you mean the celebrity is a little temperamental sometimes? Oh, my God. And I'm sure the ridiculously high salary they pay these people, isn't it enough to cover for a couple of days of a temperamental celebrity? Let me tell you something. This is just, once again, I could have... I could have complained 30 years ago when I worked in radio in New York. I worked with some temperamental people. I didn't go home crying. I didn't go into therapy. I didn't think about jumping off the the Brooklyn Bridge, the Manhattan Bridge. Buck up, baby. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, sometimes a boss can be a bit harsh. Sometimes a boss can lose their temper. So what? Big fucking deal. Obviously, these are people who were such, such snowflakes, such snowflakes, that they couldn't deal with it, and now they're complaining. I mean, can you imagine they had to go into therapy? Therapy. Because he might have yelled at them for holding the cue card the wrong way or not turning it fast enough. So what? Big fucking deal. It's really amazing. It's really amazing what a snowflake generation we have. They don't want to go into work twice a week, right? Oh, my God, the, the boss raises their voice. The boss raises their voice. Oh, no, I got to jump off the bridge. I have to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge now. Jimmy Jimmy raised his voice. And this whole idea of he had good days and bad days. Oh, that's shocking. No one, none of us have good days and bad days. Jimmy Fallon must be an exception to the rule to have these good days and bad days. Oh, my God. Jimmy he was sometimes in a good mood and sometimes wasn't in a great mood. <laughs> Oh, my God. What a horrible person. In a good mood sometimes. Sometimes not in a not the great mood. Oh, boy. This is just... Stories like this, you couldn't... In other words, no one would be interested in these kinds of grievances 20 years ago or 30 years ago. They wouldn't be interested. They'd say, who cares? Now, this is a story. This is what Rolling Stone, the once great Rolling Stone, has uh, deteriorated into writing these kinds of bullshit stories. Didn't we just see this about someone else? Ellen DeGeneres, right? Wasn't this written about Ellen about a couple of years ago? I could actually believe about her than Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon just seems like a, a dope to me. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but who cares about these workplace grievances, all right? What was, was Jimmy, uh, did Jimmy physically assault people? Did he, um, did he, was he racist? Did he make racist comments, sexual comments? Did he try to come on to people sexually? If someone does things like that, that's outside the norm of a boss, right? Of having good days and bad days, maybe raising your voice a little bit. Uh, you get a little upset. You know how, how often that happened in radio? I was fucking 18, 19, 20 years old. It was my first real job. And I had to deal with this kind of thing. I had to deal with temperamental people who had felt they were under a lot of 
pressure, which were, uh, like Jimmy Fallon is under a lot of pressure to, to perform. Maybe that's why he overdoes it. This is why I don't particularly like him. But uh, this is normal stuff, especially for the entertainment industry. And they pay you well. They pay you well to deal with this kind of stuff from time to time. So it's, but this, when you add all this stuff up, right, these people complaining about their boss raising their voice, their boss having days where they're not in great moods, they don't want to go into work two or three times a week. It, it makes me very fearful of this generation and what's going to be, become of this generation. This, this, this weak, lily-livered generation of people, of young people, who simply can't deal with the real world. This is like dealing with the real fucking world, right? You have to go into work. You have to actually go into an office. Your boss might not be in the best mood. They might raise their voice and be harsh with you from time to time. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We can't deal with this. We can't deal with this. Run to Rolling Stone. Sue. Unionize. I want to work from home every day on Zoom, never with another person, not have to deal with my horrible boss. Oh, pathetic. It truly is pathetic. It truly is. And, and, and stories like this are, so, are such bullshit because they know shithole news outlets, publications like Rolling Stone know that most people are going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, celebrity, Jimmy Fallon, must be a real asshole. Must sue him, sue him, must be a real asshole. Right away, that's going to be the re reflexive response of a lot of people when it comes to celebrities like Ellen DeGeneres and, uh, and Jimmy Fallon, right? So it's such an easy way to get sympathy for these weak fucking generation of people who can't deal with reality. They simply can't deal with reality. Remember, these are the same people who couldn't deal with a, and still can't, deal with a cold virus, right? They went running from a cold virus. They went hiding. They went in hiding, okay? They, they, they put masks up their nose and down their throats, right? They went and got 17 jabs. These are those same people. Right. And it's frightening that these people think this is the way the world should be. It should be this way. It should coddle them. We should all coddle them. Yes. Oh, no. Don't deal with a boss. Work from home. Yes. Yes. Hide from a cold virus. Do all those things that make you an incredibly weak person. You know, and the men especially. Where are all the alpha men? They're all beta men now, it seems. There are no alpha. Maybe that's why I like Ron DeSantis so much. He's one of the few alpha men, I believe, left out there. There's Trump, who's a fake alpha man. There's nothing worse. The only thing worse than a beta man is a fake alpha man. That's Donald Trump. But maybe that's why I like Ron so much. And I'll play some clips in a second proving my point that he's an alpha man without having to beat his chest about it the way the fake alpha man Trump does. And I'll play that in a little while. But we need more alpha men. We need more masculinity. We need more, quote unquote, toxic masculinity, not less uh, 
masculinity. Yeah, you're right. Yes, Bill. Yeah. They wore these face diapers. This they automatically they automatically ran away from everything. They run away they run away from dealing with a boss. They run away from dealing with workers and they're running away from a cold virus. They want to run away from everything. They think that's the way to to win is to run away from everything. That's going to protect them to run away from everything. It's an incredibly weak generation and I don't think it's temporary. That's what's frightening about it. I think this is the people who are going to be running things. That's frightening. These are the people who are going to be bosses in the near future. So think about that. I think it's frightening. I don't know how we survive with these kinds of people. I don't know how we survive with these kinds of people. I was 18, 19, and my boss would get upset at me, and no one gave a shit in the 90s. No one cared. Did he, did he, did he physically abuse you? Did he call you a you know, a, a faggot or a nigger? Did he? No, no, just raise his voice. Go back to work. This is just insane. It really is. But here we are. Um, okay, so we've talked about the snowflakes that are running the world now, or that will soon be running the world. The next generation, <laughs> the next generation of leaders. Oh, God forbid! Truly, truly, God forbid. I'm going to play some DeSantis clips in a second. I'll cue them up. But I do want to talk about, I mentioned at the end of the show yesterday that the the MAGA movement is widely on. Talk about snowflakes. These are the people who can dish it out, but they can't take it, right? They can be as vile, uh, abhorrent as they want to about you or your candidate. But if you give it back to them, they, they, they complain, they shriek, they run away, they cry. So another great generation of, of snowflakes is the MAGA movement. But the MAGA movement is like wildly unpopular. A new poll found, and this is actually from a couple of months ago. It's gotten worse now. Uh, once again, this is, this is actually, now that I read this, before May, June, yeah, before the indictments. So now it's even worse. But before the indictments, only 24% of Americans have a positive view of the MAGA movement. Pre-indictments. I don't know why they haven't put out a post-indictment poll. Maybe they haven't taken it yet. But pre the indictments, uh, the, the only 24% of Americans had a positive view. Uh, Trump is so unpopular, and so is his movement. Just 24 Americans have positive views of his movement, while 45% voiced negative views. So you're talking about a 24% approval rating. There'll be a new poll soon, but let's say four indictments, I'd say probably 15 now, right? Would you say went maybe down from 24 to 15? Let's say 20. We'll do an even number. Okay, so let's say one in five Americans have positive views of the movement. So you're talking about a president with an approval of like 35, right? Biden, right? But Trump's movement has about a 20% approval, okay? So I ask you, how is Trump, forget about being the strongest candidate in the general election, how does he win? How does he even beat Joe Biden? He can't. The numbers just keep coming out. And Trump, Trump the asshole, uh, on his true social, which may not even exist a, a week or two from now, as they have their shareholders meeting tomorrow because they are bankrupt with 2 million 
users as opposed to the 41 million Trump said they'd have by now. Uh, keeps on posting these ridiculous polls. He, he, he wants us to believe polls, as Bill Mitchell on Twitter so aptly puts it, uh, where DeSantis goes to Florida, saves everyone from dying in a hurricane, and he drops in polls, and Trump rises, right? Or where, where DeSantis wins a prime, wins a debate, and his polls go down, and Trump's polls go up. What is can as Bill said, what's next? DeSantis is going to cure cancer and his polls are going to go down and Trump's going to go up. The polls is such bullshit. And you know it because Trump is the one who's promoting them. So everything Trump promotes is bullshit. Right. Believe the opposite. But these are real numbers that Trump does not promote. These are not from Trump paid pollsters like his polls that he promotes are from pollsters that he has paid in the past to poll for him. They're all terrible numbers, terrible numbers. I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement, 38% approval, Biden, 38, Democrats, 36, Republicans, 33, Trump himself, 34, his movement, 24. A slight majority of Republicans view the MAGA movement positively, only 52%. Again, let me get, let me tell you this. 52% before the indictments of Republicans viewed the MAGA movement positively. So just over half pre-indictments. So you know that's under half now of Republicans. Independents, forget about independents, only 12%, 12% viewed MAGA positively before the indictments. So that's in the single digits now. So Independence in the single digits, under 10%, view MAGA positively. He cannot win a general election. There's no chance. There's no chance. We keep on seeing this over and over and over and over again with the numbers, the real numbers, not the fake ones that he promotes, the real numbers. And of course, We know his polls are fake because they're not in line at all with all these other numbers we're seeing from these independent polls that he hasn't paid for, right? The MAGA movement being in the dumps, his approval being in the dumps, independents hating him, two out of three Americans saying they would never vote for him again, 70% of independents saying they would never vote for him again, right? So we know he cannot win a general election and his polls are garbage. When less than half of the Republican Party looks at his movement positively, we know he's not winning. He's not. It's all bullshit. All bullshit. Chris Christie predicts the minute Trump's campaign will start to crumble. And it's kind of in line of what I was saying, which is losing the early primaries. Although I think, well, we'll see what Chris Christie has to say. I think he's going to drop out even before mid-January, before Iowa. But Christie said polls of the race don't tell the full story of what will happen to Trump once the voters start actually heading to the polls. A lot of people will say they're for Trump now because he's winning in the polls, Christie told Anderson Cooper. The minute someone else is feasible, is plausible, meaning DeSantis, uh, and by winning either the caucuses in Iowa or that primary in New Hampshire, you're more than feasible or plausible you're now someone who's defeated Trump, becomes a whole different story. So I agree with this. I do agree that once people see that Trump is defeated, all the polls will bullshit. He's not inevitable and he can be defeated. And there's a viable alternative to him. Things will change. But I believe 
that Trump will see that before Iowa happens. Trump will know he's going to lose Iowa, and he's not going to allow that to happen. So he will drop out before Iowa and, of course, blame everyone except. But a good point of this is in New Hampshire, for example, Trump was just at 34 percent in one poll. Think about that. Trump, the supposed front runner, the former president of the United States, only had 34 percent in a poll in New Hampshire. That means 66 percent of the people polled in New Hampshire don't want him, Christie said. So one out of three want him. Two out of three want someone else, right? So you figure whoever the most viable candidate is, that's who they want. And it's Ron DeSantis, okay? So Christie's right. I agree. And I've said that in the past, that if Trump were to stay in once he loses Iowa and or New Hampshire, everything changes because people see that DeSantis is a winner and a viable candidate and Trump is not inevitable. And that whole narrative of inevitability with fake polls has been broken. But I will go one better than Christie and continue to say that once Trump realizes he will lose Iowa, he will not stay in the race. He will not stay in the race to lose any camp to lose, to lose any states. He won't do it. Especially the first one. Not going to do it. So there's that. I do want to play some DeSantis clips. That will. This is from uh, recently. I love his uh, podium. He has that he's standing at. It says "Mandate Freedom." I love that. Mandate Freedom. Uh, the first clip I'm going to play talks about he talks about forced masking, saying he knew they would try to do these lockdowns again and and masking mandates, which they are doing in many places. And there are rumors that I don't believe that Biden will do it again on uh, public transit around the country and airplanes. But I don't think he will because people seem to he lost in court and his appeal went nowhere. That was just sort of dropped. Remember, there was a big story. They're appealing the ruling that it was illegal for him to do mandates on airplanes. And that just went away. Right. So he has no legal ground to stand on. But anyway, it doesn't mean they would do it if they could. Right. And here's Ron DeSantis talking about that. Now we're in a situation uh, where we start to see around the country uh, kids being kept out of school. Like Kentucky had a school closure over COVID. Um, You have forced masking of school children in different states around this country. Uh, You have colleges imposing booster shot mandates on college students still going on in this country. You have people like Dr. Fauci, who are still trying to defend mask mandates and lockdowns, even after we've seen all this evidence. They even did in Maryland, there was a school district that had the KN95 mask required for school children sitting there all day uh, doing this. And so uh, they are trying uh, to do this again. And what we in the state of Florida will say is, no, we are not letting you get away with it again. All right, sorry, I was also trying to queue up another one at the same time. But once again, he's saying we're not letting you do it, right? And uh, now we're finally seeing some Republicans trying to, like, uh, 
J.D. Vance trying to bring legislation to make it illegal to do these things on a on a federal uh, level and scale. And, uh, and once again, this is something you see from Ron DeSantis over and over again. He says, we did it the right way. OK, and because all these other places did it the wrong way and have never admitted that they did it the wrong way, they're going to try to do it again. Right. And we've all said this. We've all said this. The people like myself who are on DeSantis' side and know what a great job he did. We have been saying this right from day one, that they'll continue to do these things over and over and over again. Right. Continue to do it, because as long as people comply, they are going to do it. That's it, right? They see the people being good uh, lemmings, being good serfs, doing what they say. Why would they stop? That's a very powerful feeling, right? You tell someone, hey, do this, and they do it. Why, why would you stop doing that? You're not going to stop doing it. When, when will you stop doing it, right? When will you stop telling someone to do something the way you want them to do something? When they say, go fuck yourself. I'm not doing it. That's when you stop. No, that's when you stop, period. But not enough people did that. None of people did that in places like New York or California. So they'll continue to believe they can do it. Right? They'll believe, but can you to believe they can do it? which is why people fled New York and California during COVID to Florida, right? Because DeSantis was not acting as a dictator, as an authoritarian. He was saying, you live in a free country. You have the right to do this if you want or not do it if you don't want. That's why I have no problem with his stance on vaccines. Do not make the vaccines illegal. That's not possible. That's not within the realm of reality. Okay, that's something a, a, a phony politician like Trump would say to get elected. But what he could do is make mandates illegal, which is what he did. And I have no problem with adults being adults. I continue what in anything, whether it comes to your breasts off or chopping your dick off or wearing a mask or getting a vaccine or 20. If you're an adult, you do what you want. Don't impose that shit on children. But I have no problem with adults wearing masks if they want. I don't like it. I think it's stupid. I think you're an idiot, but I can't impose my will on you just like you shouldn't be able to impose your will on me. I have no problem. If you want to get vaccines up the ass, literally, that's your prerogative. I think you're an idiot, but I'm not going to tell you you can't do that. So that's DeSantis's take, right? That's why people say, well, he wasn't strong enough against the vaccine. It's, it's kind of pointless. You can't make the vaccine illegal, but you can make vaccine mandates illegal, which is what he did. And the same thing with masks and lockdowns and school closures and masking kids and forcing kids to get vaccines, all that stuff. That's what Ron DeSantis did. He made all of that stuff illegal. I'm going to play this other clip because it's, 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 it's louder on my cell phone. It's louder on my cell phone than on the, the uh, computer. So I'm going to. I'm going to try to cue this up, but it's not as easy. William, I'll get you in. Oh, if you want to go back on, I'll get you in a second. Uh, okay, hold on. Yeah, this is, uh, what are we talking about here? He's talking about, oh, this is a guy 
This is someone who tried to blame the shooting that just happened in Florida on Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis's fault that happened. And Ron DeSantis ain't taking that shit. Here we go. Uh, I did not allow anything with that. Well, listen, excuse me. I'm not going to let you accuse me of committing criminal activity. I am not going to take that. I am not going to take that. So you, you should, you want to have a civil conversation, that's one thing. Try to say that I'm letting, that guy was Baker acted. He should have been, he should have been ruled ineligible, but they didn't involuntarily commit him. And so they weren't. No, no, I don't, no, no, there is the truth. There is something about the truth. It's not everyone doesn't have their own truth. No. You don't get to come here and, and, and blame me for some madman. That is not appropriate. And I'm not going to accept it. Oh, that is nonsense. It, that is such nonsense. We've done more. We've done more to support law enforcement in this state than anybody in throughout the United States. Our crime rate in Florida is at a 50-year low. Uh, we have enacted... We have enacted policies so that people have a chance to live in safety. We have attracted people to come to this state in large part because we've had a commitment uh, to public safety. So the notion that somehow we're not uh, supportive of safety is absurd. And we've put our money where our mouth is. We've put uh, uh, support behind policies to hold people accountable. Uh, who hurt other people. Uh, you haven't seen us releasing people from prison. When they hurt, when you do the crime, you do the time. This is what I mean about this guy being an alpha male. You know what I'm saying? He's one of the few alpha males left, right? You have people who are, are, you have people who are too afraid to go into work two days a week or too lazy or whatever it is, as we see with Grindr and all these other tech employees. They don't want to go into work two days a week. We have these workers who are, quitting because their boss has a bad day and yells at them. But you have Ron DeSantis who uh, puts the pedal to the metal. When something like a hurricane happens, he goes back and he does his job and he saves people's lives and he saves the economy. And now with this shooting crap, with these morons, these, these uh, anti-Second Amendment morons don't continue to not tell you, is that there are more mass shootings in California than Florida. There are more mass shootings in Colorado seems to have all the mass shootings, including the big one, right? Columbine that seemed to start it all off. Colorado, was there also the shooting at the movie theater there? That was like the first big movie theater shooting. All blue states. So these mass shootings are going to happen in blue states and red states. But Ron DeSantis is right. He doesn't take that shit. He doesn't let these leftists come in and try to blame him for someone else's actions when you have a half century low in crime in Florida, a half century low in crime in Florida, where crime is through the roof in places like New York and California, the states run by Democrats, the states run by Democrats. See, the regular crime, you know, the regular crime that kills most people, that makes most people afraid to live in a place. People are not afraid to live in a place because of mass shootings. No one's like, oh, I can't live in uh, Texas because of mass shootings. Oh, my God, I can't go to Florida. Mass shootings. No, people say, I don't want to live in San Francisco. I don't want to live in New York. I don't want to live in Chicago. I don't feel safe in these cities where there are kind of like regular shootings every hour on the fucking hour.
Okay? Those places are blue cities, deep blue cities in deep blue states. While places like Texas, Georgia, Arizona, Florida have much lower crime, regular crime that most people are afraid of. Most people are afraid of regular crime, not mass shootings. Most people, if they're killed or involved in a, in a, in a shooting, will be a regular old shooting, not a mass shooting. Those are much more rare than the regular old shootings that happen every fucking day and night in places like Chicago. But DeSantis will stand up for himself. DeSantis will stand up for himself and speak the truth. And that's one of the things I love about Ron DeSantis. He doesn't take crap from the media who show up and try to lie, try to impose a fake narrative on him. And he's done this again and again. He points out their fake bullshit, and he talks about truth with the facts of the matter. And I've talked too long. i got to let Bill talk. Hey, Bill, what's up? What up, brother? Good to hear you hitting it right on. Let's talk about the total by gun violent crimes in uh, 21. The stats are around 48,000. You and I talked about this before. Of that, the reported mass casualty events are 103 out of 48,000. What is that in percentages? Let's do the math. Is that 0.04, I think, percent? In other words, 100 out of 48,000? Right. What is it? Or is it 0.25? Whatever it is. I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's low. Yeah, well, look. It's a, it's a small percentage. Yeah, and that's if all that's being reported is actually happening. If anybody thinks this government who has uh, created false facts all over the world to get us into war is telling us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about domestic casualty events, I think you need a head examined. They need to be looked at, each and every one of them, and examine them for viability. And I think when you do that, and you have good people that I've cited before, I won't dive into it, who are retired police officers, school administrators, professors, and ex-military people who are telling you that Boston bombing and Sandy Hook were the first two FEMA crisis after events. I go to them. I, I served on the military base of Camp Pendleton with EOD guys removing unexploded ordnance. I didn't think I knew more than them. Well, and, and, but, but even what they consider, what the left media likes to consider a mass shooting, doesn't even make sense, right? Someone goes into a place and shoots and kills three people. That's a mass shooting event. Meanwhile, they don't talk about what goes on in places like Chicago. Right, that's even, exactly right. There are 18 of those shootings where two to four people are, are shot or mm -hmm. killed. Those aren't mass shootings. Why aren't those mass shootings? It's, well, it's again, it shows how biased they are. It is it's, totally biased. Right, to these major events that get all the publicity, right, that they can blame somehow. They squeeze it out to blame the right and the Second Amendment. I don't know how they seem to do that when they happen in California or Colorado all the time. But the fact of the matter is that this is ridiculous. This whole, even the statistic over a mass shooting. What is it? Why is a guy who goes into a mall and kills three people a mass shooting? But a, a black kid who goes into a, a group of people at a at a fucking at a, at a at a house party and kills five people, not a mass shooting. 
Why? Because it's a black kid. That's why. That's the, why. The reporting is, is inconsistent. Of it's course it is. Police. Yeah. Of course it is. I mean, the numbers out of Chicago every weekend are absolutely in, breathtakingly insane. How many people are shot and killed every weekend in inner city Chicago? Well, every I can tell you. Weekend. Mm -hmm. Every weekend. Not once that, in a while. Every weekend. That's exactly what Robert David Steele cited, who's ex-CIA, ex-U.S. military Marine. That's exactly what he cited in the article I read. He also said that um, of the 174 reported mass casualty events, he said 172 of, of them were false flag contrived. Now, false flag can mean it's a pirate term. It could mean that it's a crisis actor event, and he's the one who cited along with Wolfgang, along with James Fetzer. These are all retired Marines that Boston bombing and Sandy Hook were crisis active false flag events. I don't assume I know more than those guys, Mike, but they cited other ones. They're the ones with the experience. I'm not. And I know the courts are fake and totally corrupt in the news, so I don't give that a grain of salt. Do you see what I mean? I defer to military guys and ex-cops who are telling me about events. They know. So that's my position. Now, we, when he said the rest, 172, 174 reported were contrived, he meant that the FBI or some, uh, there was a false flag event. Now, it could be that in some cases people call like 9-11 a false flag, which is coming up the anniversary of that on Monday. It doesn't mean the towers didn't drop and people didn't die. What it means is that the narrative we were told is false. Right, right, right. Or, or we weren't told the, the whole story. Right? Exactly. But so there's, look, 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 I have no... <laughs> I have no problem believing, Bill, that there are people out there who are very angry and crazy. Oh, it happens. And right. don't kill people. I mean, that's if you're angry and crazy and you want to act out, you go to a movie theater or a mall and, or a school and you kill people. That's not beyond the realm of possibility. Come on now. We live in a very violent country with a history of violence, right? So it's, it's, it's quite plausible, right? But the problem is the way the media deals with those shootings as opposed to the shootings that happen... Look, there are probably, I don't know how many shootings, probably seven or eight shootings as I've been talking over the last hour, right, in Chicago. What, where, where's the coverage? They don't. They don't. That's, that, well, Robert David Steele said exactly that. He said it's all biased to reporting what are alleged white assailants using AR-15s. He said, notice the, the consistency, and then they always kill themselves. The young men who are white young men are supposedly need uh, on medication or should he was pointing out you all you have to do is look at the consistency of what's being reported and you know that that there's a false flag happening there how many again you you know i'm not the guy to go over every one i defer to those guys do you see yeah. what i mean they know what they're looking at i don't you know what i mean right and so when they tell me that and then they're targeted by by the media and by the courts, they're over the target. Do you see what I mean? You're not going to get consistently three ex-veterans, and I just cited three of them, Robert David Steele, James H. Fetzer, U.S. Marine Corps, ballistics weapons commanding officer, and then you had Wolfgang Halbig, who was a Florida State trooper, former military veteran, well, once a veteran, always a veteran, school principal administrator. They all concur on the same narrative on Sandy Hook. Do you want, why would I presume to know more than them? Yeah, yes. What, what, what would make me think that? Plus, the FDI crime table 8 for 2012 still says zero. If anyone can go and find that and see that for murders and non-negligent manslaughters for Newtown Sandy Hook, 2012, Table 8, 
for Connecticut. So it, why would so so let's 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 take a second one quick second. Why wouldn't Alex Jones says he thought it was zero? <laughs> He's got all those guys, one of which he interviewed consistently, Wolfgang, in the four-year hearings, and who exposed everything. And then the crime table still, it's a minute every quarter. They haven't fixed it. They haven't changed it if they made a mistake. Plus, the FBI was there on the day. Right. And then the first selectman testified to that woman that DHS was directly involved, Homeland Security, just like it's at, at uh, burr, 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 the Fed direction. You see what I mean? So we have this infiltration of our own military, um, Homeland Security, FEMA, uh, 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 DOJ, as provocateurs in these events. Look at Ray Epps. You know what I mean? I mean, come on. And 60 Minutes does a puff beef on him to cover his ass while he's inciting people to go in. You know, not to mention they opened the doors, J6, they let people in, they waved them in. They, they didn't have any large fencing up. They moved fencing aside. We know that, that, uh, supposedly someone was killed there. That's a whole nother thing to examine because you have, Babbitt was a 14 year Air Force veteran. She sheep dipped. She climbed through a window unarmed, and all the other Washington, D.C. cops showed, nine of them showed the shaman around, unlocked doors for him. He was a six-year naval veteran. Right. And they, he well, unlocked doors, show him around, knowing him. And the guy was supposedly struck in the head, was walking around and killed with a fire extinguisher, was walking around two hours later waving people in. So yeah, all I did. That's, a, that's another thing that, that burns my ass is that the Babbitt thing, right? Now, she was not armed, right? She had no weapon, right? Right. So this is a skinny woman, skinny blonde woman. Six, five for three. Yeah, five for three. God, going through, trying to... Big threat. Go through whatever it was. There. She was on the other side of the door with a bunch of people. Right. That's right. both... I'll tell you what, I've got a, I've got a link that, right. that was leaked out that shows her walking up steps of that, the back steps inside, not even coming through the window, Mike, yeah. walking up the well, back steps. Here in San Francisco, they arrest a, a store owner for, for putting a hose on a homeless person who wouldn't leave for months the person was preventing people from coming into this guy's gallery he was losing his business because this person who decided that the street was their home and he, he sprayed them with some warm water for five seconds this guy gets arrested that's not allowed that's unequal force the water but it's not unequal force what happened to equal force i i as a regular citizen in a place like san francisco if I have to prove, if I make someone, I have to prove that it was self-defense, right? That I was afraid for my life or bodily harm just to simply mace somebody. Or they'll fucking arrest me if I do it and they believe I did it to someone who didn't deserve to be maced. Yet, here's this cop. This is not unequal force, shooting and killing an unarmed five foot three woman. With no it was on the other side of a door. Yeah, it I wasn't mean, even it was breaking the glass. Other people were breaking the glass. She was to the right yeah. of those, those, those. She was nowhere near him. So think about this. You're examining. Now you're using critical thinking. The fact that he wasn't charged with the crime, the fact that he was promoted, the fact, proves to you that this is a false flag. Because if that was a real event, first of all, he, he had no right, no reason to shoot her. She wasn't even any of the people breaking the glass, supposedly. She's to the right of the double door. She's... She's a little tiny lady, and if the, the footage that I, I have that I can put in your live chat, maybe you can look at it and we can go over it later, is she walks up the stairs, not coming through a window, and there's all cops around her, and there's a big group of people, and it's all stays. She jumps up, and a guy, and there's, you hear a bang, and the guy says, don't worry, that's a flashbang. That's exactly what he said. It was all a stage. She is not dead. And Trump said nobody died January 6th. Whatever you think about him, he was right about that. 
So I, I'll put that in the live chat. I, I, you can watch the video for yourself. Now, why they leak it out? Nothing gets leaked out by accident. You have people like me who listen to Fetzer, listen to Wolfgang, listen to R.D. Steele, and we're aware of it. But it sounds so crazy because everybody's so brainwashed by the mainstream media. No one will take the time to listen. You see, you're the only one in calling who, if I send you a link, will actually watch it. You well, see what I'm saying? And, and, and the problem is also, I mean, I, I, I want to thank you for reminding me about January 6th because this is a different topic in a way. But remember, Trump didn't pardon one of those people, right? He claimed they're all innocent. They're all great people. He talked right. about how, how, you know, how, uh, you know, he's being persecuted for January 6th and it wasn't an insurrection and these were good people. He actually tweeted, you're great people. I love you. He did not. He had the chance to pardon the people. And he never remembered. He didn't pardon one person who went to exactly. jail for January 6th. That shows how full of shit Trump is and how it's all about him. Okay. So I wanted to get that out there because people don't talk about that much either. How Trump had the ability to pardon these people who he claimed were innocent on January 6th, but never pardoned even one of them, right? He keeps on, and now he keeps on saying how, oh my God, these people are getting 10 years and other Democrats who are corrupt get nothing and Biden's son is getting nothing and the guy who broke in is getting eight years. Well, he had chance to pardon some of those people who got those harsh sentences, according to him, and he didn't do it. He's so full of shit. Okay, he's so full of shit. Just like he said he was going to prosecute Hillary. His whole campaign was lock her up, lock her up. He tells her in the debate a week before the election, you don't want me to win because you know I'm going to put you in jail. And his people clap. And then two weeks after he's elected, he says, oh, that was a campaign thing. That was. A and do you remember at his inauguration? Bill and Hillary, stand up. Bill and Hillary at his inauguration party. Bill and Hillary. And they all stand up and they clap for them. The guy is so full of crap. God, sorry. No, no, get it out, get it out. We're mad as hell. We don't want to take it. You got to yell for me. <laughs> well, you, you know, it's doing. It's going on three in the morning. I can't yell here. I, you know, so yeah. so you're right. I just put the link in. When you have a chance, Mike, watch the last embedded video in that link, and you'll see it's all staged. And that was leaked out to people who are watching this kind of these kind of websites. And but you're the only one in calling that will listen to what I have to say about any of these events and actually take the time to look at evidence. Minute, You're the only one. One of these other shows where all these, like, left-wing conspiracy people will listen to this? No, they blocked me. But all, I, I, don't, I don't listen to any of these shows, hey, the truth, but I understand that a lot of these people do not trust the government, right? Yeah, but it's an irony. For some weird reason, you know, it's ideological subversion. They're, they're so demoralized, these, the, uh, uh, they lose their ability for critical thinking. They're so caught up in the PSYOP that Eric Holder talked about in 95. He said we must brainwash people, not just every Monday, but every day of the week, about thinking about carrying weapons. So that they, they, it's, we're into the second full on, almost end of the second generation. That was 95. We're into the, almost the end of the 20 years. And it's, you know, demoralized, destabilized crisis over and over again. It creates a psychosis, a mass formation psychosis. So when I go into those rooms and I try and say, look, here's the evidence for this event. Here are the experts, whatever. They go nuts. It hits that tripwire in the um, the psychological brainwashing, and they drop into emotion. 
They can't think. Just like if you remember, Mike, if you go back to Kuwait, the incubator baby story, where supposedly this woman who said she was a nurse witnessed the Iraqi soldiers taking babies out of incubators. That all turned out to be a fraud. That was desert, got us into desert storm. What that was, it was our ambassador for Kuwait's daughter who was coached to act and testify before Congress. She was very convincing. But if you told anybody at the time that she's lying, they'd attack you because they, especially when you're talking about children, people cannot differentiate. These people, I don't, I don't get the hypocrisy in general, in general, of people who don't trust, claim they don't trust the media. Right. They claim they don't trust the media, but then they trust him on all of these things. In other words, they won't even be open-minded enough to believe the media is misleading them on some of these things. I don't get it. No, but it's weird. If you tell them, they will engage. If you want to talk about U.S. imperialism, they're all about talking about that. But right. they don't realize it's the same people right. that will then do right. it domestically. Right. It's not different. Right. right. So there's the U.S. Same people. I see. Yeah, they, they can't seem to make the connection, right? They no, to make the connection, it's like two totally no. separate things. Two totally separate things, right? Well, I right, and I, mm -hmm. no, I don't understand yeah. it because yeah. I always. Yeah, look, mm -hmm. if these people, if if you're of the mindset like many Americans are, where they trust everything that comes from the media, they're all great journalists. They all investigate things and do their they do the job for us. They do the job for us, you know, and I trust them. Then I understand that kind of thinking across the board. But if you if you're like so against the media and say the media is a bunch of liars, the corporatists, you know they they, they we can't mm -hmm. trust them. And you talk about this U.S. imperialism, then you mention some of these things you talk about domestically, and they and they like block you for it's it's ridiculous. Yes, it doesn't make any sense. No, no, it makes no sense. And they can't have a rational discussion about it either. I'm sorry, I, I've, de you know, if you notice, I've DM'd you a lot of stuff about Sandy Hook. Mm -hmm. I DM those people and they come back at me with ad hominem attacks. And they cite my mental illness for why my, my sources have no credibility. I'm like, wow, good thing you're not sitting on a jury. What is my <laughs> mental illness? Yeah, I know. Exactly. Have to do with the sources. That's pretty not, yeah. not, not only that, my PTSD is what is due to sex abuse, but some people, a lot of veterans have it due to shell shock. That doesn't mean PTSD is different from being delusional, bipolar, with grandiosity complex, or many type of mental illnesses. Yeah. Complex post-traumatic stress, you've listened to me. You know I see things clearly. You may not agree with everything, but at least you can say, well, he makes points that other people, other lawyers have made, other ex establishment, I don't want to say established. You may not agree with Barnes, right, Robert Barnes, regarding the Trump indictments, but I can cite a guy like Barnes who you respect, and you can disagree with him. It doesn't mean that because I'm mentally ill that right. well, no. me citing Robert Barnes makes Robert Barnes mentally ill. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, exactly. Like there's some kind of a psychic connection. <laughs> I don't even know him. This is just how crazy these people are. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, no, I, I understand, Bill. I, 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 look, if, when people feel strongly about things, we, especially, right. this is something that we see a lot these days. If people feel strongly about something and someone disagrees with them, they can't just say, well, I disagree because of A, B, C, and D. They have to right. say, you're crazy, you're nuts, I'm canceling you. I, yeah. I, I don't get that. But that's a, a recent thing. It's much more of a recent thing than it used to be. Well, yeah, we should be able to have discourse. Now, I get to a point when people come in my room all the time and want to cite my mental illness as a reason for, for when they come into my room and they do that and cite why I don't have credibility. I have one or two responses. One, I block them. Or two, I tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but it's easy. It's, some, it's, 
That's the easy reflexive thing to do, to tell someone you're crazy, you're blah, when they have no counter. You know what I'm saying? They have no counter evidence. Or counter well, no, that's it. I have, I always, you know me, I always load up your chat with sources and I do the same in my own room, which I, not, nobody comes in anymore. I'm usually by myself, maybe one or two people now and then, because you know why? Because I'm pro-life and I'm, and, and I'm uh, pro-Christ. Now, I'm not, I don't proselytize, you know that. You know what I mean? You, you know what I have to say. Same way in my rooms until people come in and start using that ham on them attacks. And then I grew up in locker rooms, Mike. And I bounced at, at doors like in Meswamakut where bikers came in on a daily basis. I never had guys talk to me at the bars, even bikers that had to leave their knives at the front desk the way people have talked to me and call. And I'm like, really? You want to go there? So I give it back to them and then they cry like babies. Oh, those such a bully. We see this with Trump supporters, where they can, yeah. and Trump himself, where he, they yeah. can, he can go on Twitter or social or Truth Social and and bash people and bully people yeah. and lie about people as much as they want. Then when you give mm -hmm. it back to them, they can't take it. No, they can't. It's so it's like the biggest wieners in the world. You know what I mean? Really, I can use another word, but I'll use that for now. You know? yeah. Cry babies. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. It's, it's, you know, Bill. This is the way people are. And you have to just yeah. uh, deal with it. You know, I'm saying you, you, you talk to the people who want to listen, right? You talk to the people right. who are willing to, and I'm not saying talk to the people who agree. Talk to the people who are willing to listen, come back with right. their own facts, right? That disagree. Mm -hmm. And you have a discussion on that. And you have to just kind of block out these other people, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm learning. You know, I'm not a professional like you. I haven't done it. You've been, were you doing this work for how many years? In the early uh, 80s? On, on, on and off for, 30 years, 35 years. Yeah. I'm, I'm a rookie at it. And every now and then, you know, I grew up in an Italian household. And every now and then, the uh, Italian verbiage comes out, you know. It's like, oh, really? You know, enough of that. But I'm not trying to monetize. I, I don't, they won't even let me publish in this app anymore. So, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, you I was know, it, earlier about, you know, the, the, the pussies in the workplace. Right? They don't want to go back yes. two days a week. They get in, these, this whole, these people are upset. They go to, they go crying, crying to Rolling Stone because Jimmy Fallon yelled at him one day because he's in a bad mood. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know how, how could any of these people, Bill, have dealt with boot camp? You know what I just saw again on the big screen? My, one of my favorite war movies, Fold Metal Jacket, Stanley Kubrick's one of the jacket. We all know the great opening sequence with, with Learmy when he's tearing them all down. How would these people, this current generation, have dealt with boot camp, with with with, with drill sergeant? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, I'll tell you what. My father served in the Navy. He was in a Navy uh, aircraft carrier pilot. He he came home with a gold helmet. He was a top. Uh, they call them again the the uh, Top Gun type of guy. You know, he was, he led them into land back right. when they didn't have the kind of you know. Uh, electronics I have today. And he lost some people who crashed into the boat, you know, smashed. Because he says, Bill, he says, that, that that deck looks pretty small when you're coming down trying to land on it, you know? especially in high seas, right? But there was no draft when I was coming through school. I got a college scholarship. But I'll tell you what, when I was working for Shaw Environmental and and my uh, my regional manager, Fred, said to me, Bill, I got work for you at Camp Pendleton, but you're going to work with guy, EOD guys, Explosive Ordnance Division guys, removing unexploded ordnance, and then you'll be doing a lot of work on the equipment when they need you to. But I need someone who can do both. I said, sure. So I worked with guys. 
we had a training uh, with, you know, they showed us all the unexploded weapons uh, ordinance. And then I was walking with these guys with metal detectors. And when I wasn't, when they needed me in the scrapyard, I was on an excavator uh, sorting things out. But the point I'm trying to make is I chose to do, I didn't have to do that. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I was willing to do it. And you know what? The reason we were brought in is because five guys died before we got there. Marines got blown up in 2013 after we left. Four more died. So it wasn't like it was, there was hyperbole say I was risking my ass. You know what I mean? Because I had deaths. Uh, it, you can find that online, the 2013 reports on Camp Pendleton, four Marines got blown up doing their EOD removal work. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, um, you, these people have never, and I got arrested in the court four times fighting the corruption, but I was willing to do that. I used to read the Gettysburg Address uh, at the War Memorial. Every time before I went in the courthouse, I knew I was going to because I was up against the crime syndicate called the Roman Catholic Church or the corrupt probate courts and the attorneys I sued. And so I knew I was going to get slammed, but I did it because I was trying to create some change. You got to be willing, if you read the Gettysburg Address, those men gave the last measure of devotion for this country and for the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And we have to be willing. We have to be willing to, to step up and be willing to fight on the level we can when we're called that's the way i look at it so that's i i i I gotta let you go thanks for the call i want to play a you know we talk i talk a lot about the republican primary right i know a lot of people on call and they're very big on cornell west right who's running it Mm -hmm. but bobby kennedy jr uh, this is like a four minute clip there are things happening this is very interesting bill we know the democrats are rigging it as usual right making it impossible for him to really do anything he's now saying he may have to look at other alternatives. He has to. Yep. So um, I want to play that clip. Bill, thanks for the call. All right. All right, Mike. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, of course, as always. Yes. All right. So this is Bobby Kennedy uh, talking about the new tricks the DNC is pulling and says he may need to look at uh, other alternatives when it comes to running this time around. It's pretty clear that the DNC does not want a primary. Um, they, um, uh, you know, I don't want to say that they want a coronation, but that's, <laughs> I think that that's a fair way to put it, actually. Um, they're doing, uh, they're, they're essentially, they're fixing up the process so that it, it makes it almost impossible to have democracy function. It, um, they, they're effectively disenfranchising the Democratic voters from um, from having any choice in, in who becomes president, who, who becomes the Democratic nominee. Uh, so two of the things they've done today mm-hmm. is they've moved the um, the Iowa primary, they've made rules that if anybody campaigns in Iowa or sets foot, any candidate sets foot in the state of Iowa or sets foot in the state of New Hampshire, that none of the votes that are cast for that candidate will be uh, will be tallied. In other words, any delegate that I've been in New Hampshire or Iowa would go instead uh, to the president. And uh, and now they're trying to change it so that if I campaign in New Hampshire, that none of the votes cast for me in Georgia will count. And that's significant because it's hard to win the nomination without Georgia. What is so what is the rigging, logic? 
Well, they're rigging it so that it, you know, effectively, you know, we're looking at uh, the tabulations now that look like I, if you add up all the super delegates that they control and all of the automatic delegates that just go to the party and go to the president, uh, you know, I would have to win almost uh, 80% of all of the states in order to beat President Biden, even if he only wins 20%. And yet, and yet you you continue on. So what is your strategy then in light well, of this for defeating to, President yeah, Biden? Do, uh, you know, these rules not be finalized until September 14th, and we've written uh, the DNC protesting. I mean, there's some really wild things that they're now considering, including forcing me to actually pay for the primaries. And their logic is that um, they don't need a primary because they already have a candidate, and therefore I'm costing them all this money, and that money should should uh, be paid for by me and you know maybe Marianne Williamson. Um, so it's not you know it's a process that is rigged, and uh, it's a, you know we live at a time in American history when a lot of Americans think that democracy is broken that the system, the political system is rigged, uh, is rigged, and that there's not really any democracy. And unfortunately, the data is taking a lot of steps that uh, that confirm uh, that outlook. If the decision holds um, for the current uh, sort of primary structure with the DNC, what is the best, what is the route to victory for you against President Biden? Uh, you know, if the, if the, if the DNC is going to make it, is going to rig it so that it is simply impossible for anybody to challenge uh, President Biden, then, you know, I need to look at other alternatives because uh, I can't go back to the people support me and to my donors and say, um, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm just, I'm in this to make a point. I need to, I need to show them a road to what, what kind of alternatives would you be exploring, Mr. Kennedy? Well, you know, I don't know exactly because I want to see what the DNC does. I want to see if they make it, a, if they, you know, if they make it a fair contest. What? And I, you know, I'm not asking it to be 100% fair, um, but I, I'm asking that there at least be, you know, a chance that it be plausible um, for somebody else to win other than their you know, chosen anointed candidate. Well, we know the only alternative he has is to run as a independent, right? That's it. Well, what other alternative does he have? He can run as a Republican. He can run as an independent. That's it, right? I don't know why he hasn't already. Well, now we put it out there finally, but I don't know why he hasn't been saying this behind the scenes because Cornell West may or may not take any votes away from Joe Biden, right? I, I think Cornell would take no votes away from him. Very few if Trump were the nominee, because they would come out and vote against Trump. Um, they're not going to, you know, give Trump a chance to win. But if it's DeSantis, yeah, Cornell West could possibly, right, uh, take some votes away from Joe Biden and help Ron DeSantis. But I'll tell you that RFK Jr. running as independent would really hurt Joe Biden. It would hurt him, especially if uh, DeSantis were the nominee, right? You'd have people voting for DeSantis in the right and, and a lot of people voting for RFK Jr. on the left. He would take votes away from Biden without 
absolutely he'd take votes away from Biden. So I don't know why he hasn't told them, look, let's come to an agreement to make this as and he's being fairer than I would be. I think it should be 100 percent fair. Why shouldn't it be? But he seems to be, you know, uh, reasonable about this. And uh, he should say, look, we have to come up with a, a way to make this a fair process or I'll have to run outside the party. And, you know, you don't want me to do that. Now he's put it out there, which is a good thing. Look, this is what the DNC wants. They want to, they know, remember, remember 2020, Bernie Sanders won Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and was well on his way to gain the nomination until South Carolina, right? Which was Joe Biden's uh, fire. That's why they want to start there now. They know that's where Biden is strongest. People didn't like him in Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada. I'm sure they still don't. They might like him even less than they did before. But South Carolina is that uh, firewall of a very, I got in trouble for saying this on Twitter years ago, but very low information voters who seem to think Joe Biden's on their side. Yeah, A lot of black voters who seem to think that Joe Biden is making their lives better. Democrats, it's insane. Come on, he fucked them totally during COVID, right? It made their lives much worse. The COVID mandates and policies that hurt the black people, not the fucking rich white people. Come on. So these people are dumb, but look, that's what they believe, that they'll be there for Joe Biden, that, you know, uh, he's that's his strong state. So they want to start there. They don't want to start in Iowa again. They don't want to do what they've done for the last how many you know, election cycles and do Iowa, New Hampshire and Nevada and then South Carolina. So what they're saying is any candidates such as RFK Jr. who go the traditional route and can't because because Iowa, New Hampshire have said, no, fuck you. We're coming first. Though we always have. So what the DNC has said is, OK, then we're not going to count any delegates. Whoever wins your states, forget it. Not getting the delegates. They won't count towards the total. And that's what RFK Jr. is saying. Those are the places where he could beat Biden. Okay. And so you take those out and it gives Biden this unfair advantage where then Kennedy would have to win 80% of the rest, basically, to beat him. So that's the, that's the deal with the DNC. We know they think primaries. We know that. The Republicans don't. They didn't want Trump in 2016, but they didn't rig it so Cruz or Bush would won, right? And they could have, and they didn't do that, right? Uh, God, I wish they would rig it now, right? Because this guy is a disaster, Trump. And if he wins the primary, it's all over for the Republican Party. Democrats will sweep next November. Yet they are seemingly being fair again. So we see these two, the differences between these two parties is that they one party rigs their primaries and one allows more of an open process. And after we've seen the way the Democrats responded over the last three years with COVID, we know this makes perfect sense. They are the authoritarian party. They want things their way, period. So they're not the party of freedom. That's for sure. Now, I've said before, this primary will show what the Republican Party is also. Are they the party of Donald John Trump? Are they the party of one man in a cult? Or are they a party of true conservatism, right? Of true Republican leadership? Are they the party of Donald Trump or the party of everyone else? That's basically what it comes down to. They're going to show what they are. 
they're going to show what they are. And I've said before, I don't think it's going to happen. But if they are the party of the Trump cult, I'm out. I'm already out as a Democrat voting for Democrats ever again. I'll be out for voting for Republicans ever again. So this is a litmus test for the Republican Party. The Democratic Party is done. We've seen they've rigged it in 2016. They rigged it in 2020. And now they're rigging it in, in, in 2024 for a, for a fucking dementia patient. They can get even more pathetic than the last two times. But I think this is great. I think he should run as an independent. They're not going to make it fair. They're not. So I think he should run as an independent and fuck their shit up. That's what he should do. And I hope he does. He says they're voting on this in a week. They're not going to make it fair. They're not. They can continue to do what they've done. It's continue to try to fix it for Joe Biden. All of a sudden, they're against this tradition. Look, I've always thought these traditions were silly. This Iowa and New Hampshire thing, right? Like, why do you have the first two contests in like the smallest, whitest states in the nation that don't represent the country? I've always thought it was kind of a stupid tradition, like Groundhog Day, but it's a tradition, right? Why do the Democrats want to break it all of a sudden? Why did they break it before? Well, because they know so what the blueprint was in 2020 and how weak Biden was in the first three and how strong he was in South Carolina. So they wanted to make sure that there are no mishaps in the early going. Look, we've already talked about what happens when DeSantis wins Iowa, how that changes everything. Could you imagine if RFK Jr. had a good file, a good showing or God forbid for the Democrats won Iowa or New Hampshire, what that would do to Joe Biden? Remember LBJ, right, in, in, in 68, when he lost, when he won New Hampshire by single, he won New Hampshire, but it was single digits. And he said, I'm out. The people don't want me. I have to, a, 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 an incumbent president has to do better than that. Too many people don't want me. Right? So just imagine what would happen. Imagine what would happen if Biden lost or had a bad showing in Iowa and or New Hampshire and Nevada. It would be a disaster for him. So they want to make sure that doesn't happen. And he can win South Carolina as handily as he did against Bernie Sanders. And then, yes, he's the incumbent. He's inevitable. He'll win. That's what they want. This is the scumbags they are. This is why all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they want to change the game he should really get out of this party he really should look he's not a typical democrat anyway he's not his father's democrat it's not his, it's not his father's or his uncle's democratic party anymore he knows that so he should get out he should get out run as an independent do it please i'm asking because if god forbid it's trump v biden i want to be able to vote for someone i want to be able to vote for robert kennedy jr that's what i want to be able to do i can't see myself voting for cornell west he's too much of the bernie camp which is a phony camp which is pro lockdown pro vet pro mandate all that stuff camp right unless i'm proven wrong and cornell west has spoken out against that stuff, but I've never seen it. Certainly not while it was happening. 
So I, I need to have someone I can vote for because if it's Trump v. Biden and and uh, Kennedy's not in it anymore, I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to vote. And who wants that? I'm really into politics. I've always voted. I don't want to not vote, but I won't if that's the case. So run as an independent, Bobby. Do it. Absolutely do it. Teach the Democrats a lesson. Teach them a Because we all know that nobody wants Trump and nobody wants Biden. We've seen that in real polls, right? 70, 80% of people don't want either of them to run again. People, most Americans saying they don't want to vote for them again. Where's, but we don't, we don't live in a real democracy, do we? If those two guys are the nominees again, we don't, it's, it's not, well, it's, we know it's not a real democracy. And the fact that both of those guys are considered the narrative being they're the front runners when nobody wants them to run again shows we have a real democracy. We have a, a, a state run media run country, right? So people don't want them. The majority of people want DeSantis and Kennedy. That's, that's what most people want. Most people in this country want the alternative to Trump, the alternative to Biden. That's what we should get. It should be DeSantis versus Kennedy. That's what it should be. Then we could, even because we'd have great shows here, and have a lot of great shows. Right? If it was DeSantis versus Kennedy, we'd have some great shows here. We'd have several months of great shows debating this and talking about this, and it would be fantastic. Uh, let's see. Something else I wanted to... Um, oh, this is good. Oh, okay. This is DeSantis on, on, let's see, Jesse Waters. DeSantis on Jesse Waters. And this is where he talks a couple of things. The first one is about the, well, you don't want to play this. This is a clip. Hopefully you can hear it okay. Because I got it on my laptop. This is DeSantis talking about uh, the, the task force, the Fauci, the, the, the Trump Fauci task force, the, the, Jan, the coronavirus task force, even in January of 2021, just before Trump left office for months you know may of 2020 summer of 2020 fall of 2020 you know even january of 2021 you know i was getting uh hit by the the white house task force under trump not this wasn't even biden this was trump january of 2021 weeks before he left office they were sending us missives to florida saying impose a mask mandate and close bars and restaurants uh, and businesses that's what they were pushing. And that was pretty much uniform throughout uh, the political and bureaucratic uh, sphere. Uh, and it was driven by people like Fauci with no regard for what that would mean for people's livelihoods. And so, you know, we had to be the one to stand in the breach on that. Um, and I just look at like somebody, you know, like a Fauci, you know, part of the problem with our country is that bureaucrats like him have been coddled. They've been put on a pedestal. I think the way you treat bureaucrats like Fauci is you tell them you're fired, get lost. That's what you need to be doing. That's once again, in January of 2021, the Trump Fauci White House task force attacked Florida for being open and demanded that Florida imposed mass mandates and other lockdown policies. This was January of 2021. Okay. So Trump is once again 
full oh shit when he comes out now and talks against vaccine mandates and against mass mandates. And the final clip I want to play is where, once again, on Jesse Waters on Fox, he uh, DeSantis talks about the reckoning, the COVID policy reckoning if he becomes uh, president. Victory over the virus last summer, and now these big celebrities on these platforms are panicking, and Biden can't control that phenomenon. I mean, he has to be sustaining major damage. Has the president lost total control of this? You have school districts in Maryland now imposing KN95 (laughs) mask mandates on school children. Are you kidding me? We know that doesn't work. We know that's harmful. Uh, I can tell you in the state of Florida, we obviously fought back against all that when it was happening, but we've enacted permanent protections. You have a civil right as a Floridian to breathe clean air without someone telling you to put on a mask, whether it's your business you go into, whether it's a government agency, nothing, no mask mandates. No mandates on school children, no COVID vax mandates, and we've even banned gain-of-function research. I think part of the problem with this, Jesse, is a lot of these leftists, they think that these lockdown policies worked. They did not work. And nobody's been held accountable from Fauci on down. Uh, I've promised to bring a reckoning to CDC, NIH, FDA, all these agencies that lied to the American people repeatedly. Because if we don't have a reckoning, if we don't have accountability, they are going to try to do it again. And that's exactly what you see in some of these jurisdictions around the country. We all have to rise up as Americans and just say no. What would a DeSantis reckoning look like? Well, first of all, you take something like an FDA. They're basically a subsidiary of Big Pharma. Uh, We're not going to allow people in the FDA to leave the FDA and cash out in pharma. It's like a revolving door. That's why you have them approving an mRNA vax for six-month-old babies for COVID. There was no uh, evidence to support that. They're doing it because of that relationship. Uh, We're going to clean house at places like the CDC. They didn't follow the science during COVID. They followed the narrative during COVID. And that was very, very destructive. So we will clean house with personnel. You're going to have people in with me, like my Surgeon General in Florida, Dr. Joseph Latipo. You have people like Jay Bhattacharya from Stanford. These are people that were right about COVID from day one. They were pilloried by a very politicized scientific establishment, but they stood their ground and they've been proving right. Those are the people that need to be in positions, not the political actors that we've seen over the last four or five years. Oh, I love that idea. I love it. I love that idea of Jay Bhattacharya being as one of the the head honchos, right, to make decisions in the future about this kind of thing. And Scott Atlas, right, those are the people who should be. And Scott Atlas is back on Twitter, by the way, uh, with a different kind of, uh, uh, I think he has a podcast. Hey, everyone's doing a podcast. Everyone's doing a podcast. Even doctors are doing podcasts. Doctors are the most boring people in the world. And they're doing podcasts. Actually, Scott's not that boring. And I like his Chicago. I like his Chicago accent. I like his Chicago accent. Um, so he's on Twitter. He has some kind of a podcast he's doing. Um, and he talks more about all these mandates and stuff. And Oh, it's Independent Truths with Dr. Scott Atlas. Uh, Independent Truths with Dr. Scott Atlas. And he talks about the facts around COVID policies and so on and so on and so forth. Okay, was there something else I wanted to get to today? Or maybe we'll just... Remember, tomorrow's show is a Friday night show. I'll have a film review, a film called 
The Nun Part 2. Anyone see The Nun Part 1? have to admit I didn't. But I did see The Nun 2. So I'll have a review. Does anyone out there... Who, who thinks nuns? We'll talk more about I guess I'll end the show on a light note. What Do you think nuns are scary? I don't know. I, Bill talks about, obviously, the, the Roman Catholic Church. They can be scary. The Vatican. But I don't know. Nuns themselves. Just nuns. Does anyone find them scary? A lot of horror movies are made about priests and nuns, too. Nuns especially. I found nuns to be um, not sc- mean. They can be mean. Right? But I, I, would, I don't find them, like, horrifying, like scary in that way. But a lot of people seem to, especially filmmakers, they, they um, have made a lot of money making movies about scary nuns. Scary clowns, yeah, right. We even had them. John Wayne Gacy was a clown. But scary nuns, I don't know. Like I said, I found them, they could be kind of mean. They could be really nice or really mean. There was very in, little in between, right? They would like, spank your knuckles with the, probably can't even do that anymore, right? If you, a kid can probably call the like the cops on a nun now, right? If they spank their knuckles with the ruler, that kind of thing, right? But I don't know. I wouldn't find them particularly scary. But we'll talk about the film tomorrow. Okay, I think we're going to end on that note. There are probably some more DeSantis clips I can I can talk about. Uh, there's also a, yeah. Tomorrow we'll go into this. There was a a a, a mother a voter in Florida who, who spoke about some of this stuff. Also, Joseph Ladipo, his, uh, <clears throat> his uh, Surgeon General, uh, was defending him, basically, on, on, the, uh, on the shooting, on the Jacksonville shooting, right? So we'll get more into this tomorrow. There's uh, Markey, Senator Markey's a moron. We'll talk about him tomorrow. He's against the freedom. The Democrats are against the Freedom to Breathe Act. They don't believe in that. They don't believe in the freedom to breathe. You have to hold your breath when they tell you to hold it. All right. Uh, I want to remind everyone that this show's on weeknights, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern Time. So I'll be back with you tomorrow night for a big, fun-filled Friday show. All right? The name of the show you've been listening to is And Let's Be Heard. And until tomorrow night, this is Mike Chopoli reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.